This is Jason Hansen, pastor of Anchor Church. Thank you for jumping onto our sermon podcast. My prayer is that as you listen to this sermon, you're encouraged in your walk with Jesus and that you live for him in all of life. Enjoy the sermon now. All right, we turn to Ephesians 5 this morning. We're continuing on in our series, We Are. We're looking for identity in the book of Ephesians. And this morning, uh, we're going to look about the intentionality that, that comes with, with identity. We saw, Jason mentioned this a number of times over the last few weeks, but we saw in chapter 5, verse 1, that there's this call to be imitators of God. And we've used this phrase that for the Christian, imitation is an obligation, That's what we're called to. What we're going to see this morning is that in order to imitate God, in order to take on that obligation, it takes intentionality. It's not something we just fall into. It's not just something we wake up one day and we go, oh, great, here I am, I've arrived. It doesn't happen. It takes intentionality. And as I thought about this, uh, one kind of story kept coming to mind for me, and and I'll just caveat with this. I normally don't do sports illustrations because I know some people are like, whatever, sports are lame. Don't care. Not everyone cares. I get it. I'm only going to do it because I have a video to share with you. But as I thought about this intentionality that comes with intimidation, what kept coming to mind for me was one of my favorite basketball players players of all time. His name's Kobe Bryant. And I'm a, I'm a big Lakers fan. I am a Lakers fan because of Kobe Bryant. I'm a basketball fan because of Kobe Bryant. And if you've ever watched him, you know he just had amazing abilities on the court. But there was this reality that Kobe Bryant modeled his entire game after the greatest of all time, Michael Jordan. And when he stepped on the court, he wanted to be just like Michael Jordan. And I will just I'll throw my cards on the table. Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time, okay? He is. I get it. But Kobe wanted to model his game after Michael Jordan, so much so that people have since clipped together these images where, where they kind of go back and forth between Kobe and MJ, and you can see just how much he was imitating Michael Jordan on the court. I want to share a video of that with you this morning. They are just the standard that's above in all cases. If you electronically switched the uniforms and played that at full speed, you would not have been able to tell who was who. This man, when you think about Michael Jordan, the closest to get to Michael is Kobe Bryant. I would just agree that these guys are like phenomenal players and let's just move on. We gotta we gotta do the one on one battle, huh? We gotta do it. <laughs>
You see there in that video just the striking resemblance between the games and the intentionality that Kobe took onto the court to be like Michael Jordan. Now, here's, here's the thing about this. Even his mannerisms, you see his celebration is just like MJ. He's, he's saying, he can't guard me, just like MJ. All of these things. And when you're on the court playing at the highest level, I highly doubt he's out there thinking, okay, Michael Jordan would have pulled up from this spot, so this is where I'll pull up my shot. No, he spent so much time studying watching, investigating this man, the greatest of all time, so that when he walked out on the court, it was just second nature. He just did it. And you have to wonder, how many hours did he spend in study just watching this man? How much time did he invest into being just like Mike? How deep was his study in all of this for a game? For a game, right? For basketball. So think about the Christian life and this reality that imitation is an obligation. Church, what if we approached the Christian life like this, where we say, Jesus is truly the greatest of all time, right? God the Son in the flesh, and my call is to be just like him. What, I, I want everything that I do. I don't want to even have a second thought. I just want to walk out into the court of life and be just like him. What if we approached it that way? Now, I think there's a little bit of, and maybe you're feeling this right now, you know, if if you have a teenage son or daughter and they came to you and said, hey, listen, I want to be just like Michael Jordan, you'd probably go, okay, okay, yeah, you can do it. But really, you're like, come on, it's not not really going to happen, you know? I mean, you could try, put in the work, whatever, but really, like, this is once in a lifetime type stuff, right? I think we can approach this call to imitate God similarly. We go, okay, yeah. Okay, I get it, Paul. Be imitators of God as beloved children. But, but really, like, I'm not really going to do that. <laughs> like, come on. I, I can't really do that, can I? Church, what we want to ask this morning is what would happen if we took imitating Jesus seriously? What's it going to take? What's it going to take to take imitating Jesus seriously? Now, the reality is, are we going to be just like him? Are we going to be perfect like him? No. No, in the same way that if you and I decided today that we're going to be just like Michael Jordan, we're not coming even close. But the call remains the same. Be imitators of God, therefore, as beloved children. And so this morning we see Paul calling us to an intentionality in that pursuit. What we're going to see this morning, what we're going to walk away from Ephesians 5, 15 through 20 is our big idea is that Christian imitation takes steadfast intentionality. Christian imitation, it takes steadfast intentionality. We're not just going to drift into Christ-likeness. We're not just going to fall into it one day. No, there's a steadfastness and there's an intentionality that we need. And Paul's calling us to that this morning. We're going to see it uh, very clearly. So we're going to just read together. We're going to read the whole section, chapter 5, verse 1, all the way through verse 20. And we'll focus in on verses 15 through 20. You can follow along with me here in the English Standard Version. God's word to us this morning. It says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetousness, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. 
Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. This is our section this morning. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melodies to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. God's word to us this morning. What we're going to do is we're going to spend some time looking together at this call to steadfast imitation. What is the call that Paul's laying out before us? And also, what is the effect? What does it bring about in our lives? How are we to imitate God? And what happens when we do? So we're going to look at this morning, and we'll talk about how we live it out, um, and then we'll, we'll take communion and worship some more. But we start with this call. The call here in verses 15 and 16 is a call to steadfastness. Paul says, look carefully then how you walk. And we've talked about this a number of times in Ephesians 4 and 5, that this, this word walk is really metaphorical. Look carefully then how you live. Look carefully then how you live. Be intentional about it. Continue doing it, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. What Paul is calling us here uh, to here is a steadfastness. He's, the, the verbs used in Greek here are, are, are kind of continually do this. Be, be on guard. Continually look carefully how you live. Continually make the best use of the time. Be, be doing this regularly. There's a steadfastness that Paul is calling us to here. And he's, he's telling us to, to watch how you live. Be observant. Why? Because the days are evil. Okay, so is Paul trying to motivate us by fear here? It's like, okay, the boogeyman is out there. He's going to get you, so watch how you walk. Be careful. Now, I think that's, that's what Paul's doing here. What, what he's doing is he's actually trying to help us have a, a, a diligent, a, a dutiful diligence about our lives. To say, you have a duty. I remember I said it back in, in chapter 5, verse 1, to, to imitate God, to be imitators of God as beloved children. And in order to do that, you need to have diligence in your life. You need to continually think, I want to watch how I walk. I want to make the best use of the time. I've got to continually be on guard, be thinking about this, have an intentionality about my life. He says, make the best use of the time, which literally would mean, like, buy back the time redeem it. He says, because the days are evil. Now we can read that and go, yeah, everyone out there is the worst. Everything is terrible. Hunker down and just hide. But again, that's not Paul's motivation. It's not fear. He's calling us to a dutiful diligence to walk forward, not in fear, but recognizing that just as, as Jesus said, the way that leads to destruction is broad. It's easy. And a, a lot of people are on it, right? He says many people find that broad road to destruction. But the way that leads to life is narrow. 
and few find it. And so as churches, we go out into the world, we, we recognize if the way that leads to destruction is broad and easy and many find it, the majority of the people around us are probably on that broad road, aren't they? That should sober us. It should also inform us to say, okay, I want to redeem the time then. I want to buy back the time that I have with these people to tell them about Jesus, to share the good news, and also to watch my own life. And say that easy road that everyone around me is walking on, that the Joneses are walking on, maybe I don't need to keep up with them. Because maybe that's the broad road, the easy road that leads to destruction. But I have a, a different calling. My calling, Paul gave it to me, is to be imitators of God. As beloved children, he's calling us to a steadfastness about that. To continue to, to recognize the fact that the days are evil, the road is broad that leads to destruction, and many are on it, but I'm on the narrow path of imitating God. I'm on the narrow path to life, and there's a steadfastness here. It's, it's something that we should ask ourselves. Are we just floating along with culture? Are we just floating along on the broad road? Well, this is what everyone does. So just join in. Like, I don't, It's fine. I don't See anything wrong with it? Or is there a steadfastness and intentionality to say, oh wait, I'm called to be an imitator of God. So I'm going to question those things. I'm going to dig in. And maybe it's great, maybe it's not. I'm going to ask. He, he goes on and he uses a, a series of this, this put-off, put-on language. We've seen him do this a number of times. Chapter 4 and 5. Put off sexual immorality. Put on purity. Put off foolish talk. Put on a graciousness. Right? He's done this a number of times. He's going to do this again. He does it in verse 15, where he says, Not as unwise, but as wise. And he goes on in verse 17, Therefore do not be foolish. Put that off. Put off foolishness. But understand, put on an understanding of what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine. Put that off. Put off drunkenness, for that is debauchery. But instead, put on being filled with the Spirit. He's calling us to an intentionality here. Put off the things that are unhelpful in your pursuit of, of, of imitating God and put on the things that are going to facilitate that goal of imitating God. Put off unwise things, put on wisdom. Put off foolishness, put on understanding the will of God. Put off drunkenness, put on being filled with the Spirit. And you, this, this first idea of putting off, not being unwise, but is wise. We, we find in Proverbs that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It's the beginning of wisdom. Right? And, and in the church, we talk a lot about wisdom at different points in times. One of the things we need to recognize is that wisdom is based on who God is. Do you want to be wise? Just find out who God is. Now, in the church, oftentimes conventional wisdom can be based on other cultural things. We go, yeah, that's wisdom. Let me give you an example. In the antebellum, in the antebellum South, uh, back in the past, long ago, when slavery was sanctioned, the church supported that in many cases. Why? It was conventional wisdom. Slaves obey your masters. We're going to get there in Ephesians 5. They even use the Bible to do it, right? That's just wisdom. It's just what it is. The, the, the two groups don't, make it, don't, don't mix together. So that's just wisdom. Bring it more contemporary. There's been a, a number of church, churches that have experienced abuse of kids or, or spouses and conventional wisdom was don't bring that outside the church just deal with it inside of the church it's conventional wisdom church sometimes what we think is wise is actually unwise but how do we know the difference well the fear of the lord is the beginning of knowledge the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom and paul is calling us here to an intentionality 
to say, if I want to walk as one who is wise, I've got to know this God who I'm called to imitate. Because there's a lot of things that look like wisdom, but they're just not. If I could speak to two different, we're a multi-generational church, which I love. Let me just speak to the older generation first. Just because it's the way we've always done things doesn't mean it's actually wisdom. It could not be. What does God say? Let's go back. Let's question. Let me speak to the younger generation. You know, we like influencers these days. It's a whole career. You've got the influencers that I'm sure you follow. Wisdom says that your maker, your creator, your redeemer should be the ultimate influencer in your life. He should be the one with ultimate influence, with total influence in your life. Because let me tell you a secret about the influencers, especially if they're younger. They're still in process. There's a real danger with following someone and saying, yes, that person has ultimate influence on my life when they're still in process. A year from now, when life experiences hit, they may not even feel the same way that they do right now. But God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And wisdom says, who is he? What is he like? I want to follow him. There's an intentionality behind that, isn't there? To say, who are you, Lord? Who are you? What are you like? I want to follow you. I'm called to be an imitator. Not as unwise, but as wise. Not as foolish, but understanding the will of the Lord. And that, that phrase, not as foolish, think of, think of it like childlike. Paul's saying we shouldn't be those that people say, well, you can do with your kids. Well, he doesn't understand. Like, sorry, sorry my son said that to you. He doesn't understand. Like, he's, he's six, right? Sorry my kid did that. They just don't get it yet. Like, they're kids, you understand, right? Paul's saying that shouldn't be true of the church. People shouldn't have to look and go, mm, sorry, sorry they were really judgmental towards you. They just don't know any better. Sorry they hurt you. They just don't know any better. But Paul's saying not, not those who don't know any better, but understanding the will of the Lord. Understanding what God calls you to. Understanding what he wants from you. Your call is to be an imitator. Do you know the will of the Lord? Do you know what he's like? Do you know how to follow him? The call is to walk not as foolish, but understanding the will of the Lord. And we are without excuse because we have this word of God carried along by the Spirit, handed down to us, God's words to us. We're without excuse, right? We have it right here. There's a lot of times we stress about, what does God want from me? But we don't come here for the answer, right? We say, well, God's going to give me a sign from somewhere. Or, or God's, you know, he's, gonna, he's just going to have to show me. Something's going to have to happen. All those things can happen. It's fine. But really, you have the will of the Lord right here. It's based on who he is. It's based on his commands for you. Should walk not as foolish, but understanding the will of the Lord, saying, Who is God? What does He want from me? There's an intentionality behind this, isn't there? We don't just fall into that. He says, Not not in drunkenness. In verse 18, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but filled with the Spirit. Let's talk about that for a minute. This this idea of drunkenness. Now, you might have a reaction of like, all right, I've seen footloose. Tyler, I know what you're trying to do here. <laughs> Paul, I've seen Footloose. I know what you're trying to do here, man. 
No, this isn't, this isn't like Paul trying to control what you consume. It's not me trying to control what you consume. This is Paul simply highlighting the fact that drunkenness is actually a dehumanizing thing to do. Okay? Here's why. You're created in the image of God. You're created to be like him. We see the calling here to be imitators. You are created in the image of God. And in drunkenness, you lose control of your faculties. You lose control of your judgment. You lose control of your reason. Maybe you lose control of your bladder. Like, you're not holding on to any of that stuff, right? It's actually really dehumanizing. And that's what Paul's saying here. No, that's not the call. In fact, the most humanizing thing you can experience is to be filled with the Spirit. Because you are made to be like God. And through faith in Christ, you are filled with the Spirit, made a new creation to do what? To imitate God. It's the most humanizing thing you can do is to put your faith in Jesus. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, let me tell you, you are broken in your sin. You are made to image God. All the ways that you choose your own way versus God's way, it's called sin, and it actually dehumanizes you. I sound harsh. It's just the truth of the Bible. It dehumanizes you. But I have good news. Through Jesus, he took on your death. He took on all those dehumanizing things that you choose to participate in. He took on the punishment for them on a cross. And he rose to new life so that through faith in him, you can be made new. You can be made new. You can be filled with the Spirit of God. You can be made a new creation. Trust in Jesus. And if you're a Christian, don't pursue drunkenness and debauchery, which is just kind of, you know, free. You, you think you're free, but you're just, like, running after sensuality. Like, it's, it's not actually freedom. It's actually, it binds you. Paul's saying that's not true freedom. True freedom is being made alive in the Spirit. It's a command for us. Now, it's an interesting command because he says, be filled with the Spirit. Now we know, if you've been around the church, you know that the Spirit of God is not just a substance that you can be filled with. It's a person. God is triune. It's one God existing in three persons. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about a person. So for Paul to say, be filled with the Spirit, is kind of interesting language, isn't it? I can't just be filled with, like, I can't just tell you, fill me. Like, it doesn't work that way, right? What he's calling us to is a pursuit of the Spirit. It's similar to when, when Peter, in Second Peter, says, make your election sure. Similar in, in Philippians, when Paul says, make every effort. Run after the, the, the higher calling, right? It's, it's this pursuit of the Spirit. The more we know God, the more we experience Him, the more we'll be able to imitate the Son of God. That's what the calling is here. Run after the Spirit. Pursue the things of the Spirit. Be near God. If you're going to walk in wisdom, if you're going to have intentionality in your pursuit of God. And the last thing we see is the effect of all of this. Verses 19 and 20. We see, what does this bring about? It says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this intentional, uh, this intentional pursuit of God, this in, it's steadfast intentionality, we can hear all of that and think, okay, this sounds like a lot of work. Sounds really tedious. So go back to the Kobe Bryant illustration. If you've ever known anything about him, you knew that he was a hard guy to be around because he was so intense. 
people were like, man, this guy is, man, he's is all business, right? So is that what the call is for Christians? So, so then uh, put a sour face on, put your head down, and just do it. Actually, no, the effect is the opposite. Paul's saying, what's the effect? You will be filled with joy. Oh, you're going to be, you're going to have songs, overflowing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. They're going to be flowing up from your heart, out of your mouth. There's joy. There's gratefulness. What God has done. Oh, it makes me so excited. The closer I get to him and I realize he's so great and I'm so not and he wants me near. Oh, that's amazing. The, the more I learn about him, the more I go, man, this is, I just want to see you. I want to be with you. I want to walk with you. The, the result is joy. And it's gratefulness. We get twisted in the church and think, all right, solemn, boring, don't laugh, you know, just none of that. Paul's calling for the exact opposite here. Right? He actually, the, the, the language is interesting here where he's saying, don't get drunk with wine and be debauched. So don't be like running off to the party scene. Instead, come to this party where there's true joy where there's lasting joy, where there's gratefulness and exuberance and, and all of these things. And now you may go, okay, hold on, Tyler. I don't like singing. <laughs> and I don't like expressing my emotions. And if that's you, let me say, I resonate. The, the first church I ever attended was a, a very, very charismatic church. Loud singing, people running up and down the aisles, shouting, crying, tons of stuff going on. And I walked in there and I was like, First of all, there's no way I'm doing any of this. Like, I am not singing, okay? I can't sing, I won't sing, I don't sing. And I'm certainly not going to cry. I don't want you to know there's something going on in my heart. Like, no, no way. I'll cry later if I need to cry, but not here, right? Like, this is not going to happen, okay? But I'm not, I'm not singing, because singing is going to be like, okay, you're going to see that something's happening in me. I'm not opening my mouth. I am not singing, and I sound terrible, and here's what happened. I went from, how can I sing when I sound so bad? How can I sing when, when people will see me and I sound terrible? To, the more I got to know God, how can I keep from singing when God is so good? How, how can I hold it in when God is so good? Paul says here, this should come from your hearts. Your heart should be filled with gratefulness and joy. And it just, you can't hold it in when you know God like this. How can I keep from singing? And now... Pray for Mark, because I stand here and I bellow in his face while he's trying to hold, you know, melody, and, and my singing is terrible, and it's loud. I feel bad for him, but <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really bad. It's, but I sing. I don't care. It's not about how bad I sound. It's about how good God is. How can we keep from singing? Joy and exuberance. And notice, he says, giving thanks always. And for everything to God. This kind of a joy. For Paul to be able to say, always and for everything, it means that all of this exists outside of your circumstances. Okay? Because if, if, if your happiness or your joy is just based on circumstances, you won't be joyful always. Because sometimes life just sucks. Right? It just does. Things happen. Life is hard. For Paul to talk like this, this joy has to exist outside of your circumstances, and it does in Jesus, in his work, in his life, in his death, in his resurrection, in his ongoing work on your behalf, in his future reign, all of that. That's where the joy is. 
It's not here in your circumstance. I want to share a quote with you along this line from, from Esau Macaulay. He says, Sometimes you have to worship in the presence of your doubts and disappointments to remind them who reigns. Some probably need to hear that word this morning. Sometimes you have to worship right there with your doubts, right there with your disappointments, right there with the pain, right there with whatever it is, to remind those things who reigns. Jesus reigns. Jesus is on the throne. Your joy is seated there with him. Regardless of what's going on, you can sing, and you should sing. But all of this, it takes steadfast intentionality, doesn't it? None of this is something you just fall into. When Paul says be imitators of God, Christian imitation takes steadfast intentionality. So let's talk about living this out. What does it look like to to have this approach to imitating God, to have steadfast intentionality? Two two living out points that I have for you this morning. The first is to uh, pursue more discernment in your life. Pursue more discernment in your life. Paul's called us here not to be unwise, but to be wise, not to be foolish, but to know what the will of the Lord is. He's calling us to discernment. Again, it takes intentionality. It takes steadfastness. It's not something, you're not just going to wake up tomorrow and make better choices. You're not just going to wake up tomorrow and follow God closer by osmosis because you had a good night sleep. Now, sleep's important, but it's not going to happen. No, it takes intentionality to pursue discernment in your life and a couple different ways we can do that. The first, we have this value of being purposely biblical. Right? We talk about that here. We want to be purposely biblical. And Jesus said in Matthew 4 that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. How seriously do you take that? Think about that. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So as much as right now, you're thinking about what you're going to have for lunch. Because your stomach is calling forth. Food means life. Jesus says in the same way, the word of the Lord should call forth, this means life. I need it. I can't go a day without it. Would you go a day without eating? You wouldn't go a day without eating. None of us would unless we had to. Or unless you were on some crazy diet. That's you, power to you. I'm not doing it. Jesus says, by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord, are we approaching it like that? Because if we're going to walk in wisdom, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If we're going to walk as those who understand the will of the Lord, we've got to know him. We've got to pick up our Bibles and read. It's how we grow in discernment. The second way that we can grow in discernment is to be passionately one. We talk about that here. It does mean gathering. It means community group. It means uh, serving together. It means all of that. It also means an intentionality about who you pursue and why. And and a category maybe for you, if you don't already have this, is to pursue someone who is more mature than you. They could be older. They could be younger. I'm not saying it has to be someone older than you, but someone who's more mature than you. Maybe it is someone older than you. But discernment... Wisdom isn't always equivalent with age, okay? I'll give you an example. Growing up, my parents, my grandparents always said, don't believe everything you read on the internet. Today, my parents, my grandparents are the ones that are like crazy conspiracy theorists on the internet. Okay? It's just the reality of it. So age doesn't always mean wisdom, okay? No, it's how close are you walking with God? How much do you know him? How much are you pursuing him? Find someone like that, and get close to them. It'll help you grow in discernment. 
Find someone who's different than you. You know, think about all the people in the church. Who is most unlike you? I bet if you were in a relationship with them, they would help you to grow in discernment. Because they're going to see some things you don't see. They're going to have some perspectives about life, about God, that maybe you haven't thought about. They're going to help you grow in discernment. We want to be passionately one. Not just in gathering, not just in, a, in attendance. We want that. But we want to have an intentionality to it, a steadfastness to say, help me grow, and I'll help you grow. So I pursue more discernment in our lives. Secondly, ask, what song does my life sing? I recognize that's a corny kind of metaphor there, but I think what Paul's laying out here should be challenging for us. And asking the question, when someone interacts with me, do they walk away with the melody of gratefulness in their ears? Do they walk away thinking, man, God is good. Maybe they're not a Christian. Do they walk away going, I gotta know about this God they serve. What's up with that? What song is your life singing? Because the songs you sing, they reflect what's happening in your heart. They reflect what's going on inside. Paul here is calling us to have lives that are filled with gratefulness, always filled with songs of praise, always, in everything. What song does your life sing? And if you want to evaluate that, let's get super practical. How do you evaluate that? Okay, that's kind of intangible. What does that actually mean? Go through Ephesians 4 and 5. Find all the put-offs and put-ons. And just evaluate yourself. Where am I at on this? And Paul says the thief should no longer steal, but instead do labor. Where am I at on that? And Paul says put away falsehood. Let you speak truth. Where, am I speaking lies? Am I speaking truth? Be angry and do not, and do not sin. Give no opportunity to the devil. Where am I at on that? What am I, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only build each other up. Take all these sexual immorality, put it off, put on purity. Okay, am I doing that? Put off covetousness, put on gratefulness. Where am I at with these things? As you go through those, your answer will be what the, the, the song of your life is singing. And ours should be one of gratefulness. It should be one of steadfast intentionality as we imitate our God. I want to invite the band up as we prepare to close here this morning. And we saw, we saw in the beginning of this video of Kobe Bryant, just his mannerisms, his celebration. Think about that. When you're celebrating, you're not thinking about, I need to be like someone. You're just excited. But the man sat and he studied and he stared and he was intentional to say, that is my goal. I want to be like him. So much so that it just flowed. Church, what if we, Anchor Church, what if we just spent so much time together and individually looking at God and saying, man, he is amazing. He is so great. He is so good. And, and I'm called to be like him and I want to be like him. So much so that when we went out, it just flowed. We just did it. The community around us went, wait, what is going on there? That's different. Your non-Christian friends and neighbors said, wait, hold on. Who is this? Who's Jesus? Because you're different. This is different. If we're going to be like that, it takes a steadfastness, an intentionality to say, God, you're good, and I want to run after you. May it be true of us. We're going to sing a couple of songs. After the first one, we'll take communion.
Uh, if you are visiting us this morning, you're from another church, you're welcome to join us in communion. If you're a Christian, communion is for you. If you're not a Christian, communion is a great opportunity for you to just observe and, and be here. There's no shame in that. Uh, there's uh, cups at the back on the table. So during this song, if you haven't gotten one, you can go get get a uh, bread and, and juice there. Um, we're going to sing this song, and I'll come back and lead us in communion together. But as we sing, let's let it be from the hearts. Not just words that we recite because we know the song. No, but as Paul's calling us here, gratefulness, joy from the hearts because of who God is and what he's done. Let's stand and sing the song and we'll take communion. I really hope that you were encouraged by the sermon today. You can learn more about us at anchorchurchgilbert.com. We'd love to have you join our mailing list. You can do that on the website. If you have any questions for us about who Jesus is, please let us know through our website. I hope that you were encouraged.